We want to help a reviewer get to know us, to understand what we can do. We want to think about giving reviewers reasons to be impressed by our projects, and we want to do our best to limit head-scratching moments. Hey, devs, and welcome back to another episode of the Goobar Podcast, where we talk about building great software and helping others to do the same. Here we have short chats about things like software development and building your ideal career in tech. We aim to foster a sense of community, connection, and inspiration so we can all continue to dream, learn, and create. Unsurprisingly, when discussing take-home assignments for coding interviews, much of the focus is put on code. Can you code? Are you using the quote-unquote best practices? What tools are you using? There's a lot of code-related things that people think about or even stress out about. I'm no exception. I do this every time I submit a take-home. I, I think about all of the different tools, all the libraries I want to use. What do I want to present to the reviewers? Unfortunately, Non-coding tips for coding interview assignments don't get talked about nearly as much as the coding aspects. And in my experience, there are a lot of non-coding things we can do to put our best foot forward and impress a hiring committee with our take-home assignment. And that's what we're going to focus on in this week's episode. So what are these non-coding tips? If we're completing a programming assignment, what else should we be paying attention to? In my opinion, it's all about telling your story. Put yourself in the mindset of a reviewing engineer. How will they experience your project? How can you guide their experience? How can you tell your own story? You know, what do you want a reviewer to know about you after they review your project? What interests, skill sets, workflows, or values do you want to highlight? We want to help a reviewer get to know us to understand what we can do. We want to think about giving reviewers reasons to be impressed by our projects, and we want to do our best to limit head-scratching moments. Take-home assignments provide a unique opportunity to tell these stories because they are done asynchronously. During a take-home assignment, engineers are not typically under the watchful gaze of the hiring committee. We have a chance to be more natural, to think more clearly, and to take greater ownership of the impression that we make. We don't have people trying to talk to us while we're writing the code. We don't have people writing notes or uh, asking us questions in the middle of it. It's, it's a little bit more of a natural experience and it's one that we can really leverage to make the best first impression possible. So take-home assignments, as with many things, can really benefit from a positive first impression. If a reviewer starts exploring your assignment on a positive note, the rest of the review is likely to go better. So we're going to start here. We're going to start with a couple ideas for how to make a good first impression. Now, what do we mean by a first impression? So I mean, what is the experience like for the reviewer when they download your project or when they find your project on, let's say, GitHub? What is the first impression from the first minute or so that they are experiencing your project? Now, if your project is on GitHub or using Git or some other form of version control, 
then you have a great opportunity to showcase project information through various forms of metadata available to you. If you're using Git, your Git history is a great way to highlight your work. If your project lives in GitHub, you can add relevant attribution. Give the project a useful description. Add relevant topics such as Android or Kotlin or Swift to give a quick overview of what the project is about. You might leverage GitHub issues or pull requests or milestones to give reviewers a sense of how you like to work, how you manage your tasks, how you break tasks down into smaller deliverable pieces. What can you add to your project to give helpful context to to a reviewer? Don't spend a lot of time here, but often a little bit of investment here can help give your project a more professional look and help guide the reviewer into how they're going to review their project and just give them an overview of what you built and how you built it. Now, beyond sort of this quick metadata, There's a lot of value, I believe, in highlighting information using a project readme. Having a helpful project readme in the root directory of your assignment submission is a terrific idea. A readme is the perfect place to document assumptions, to outline your tasks, or to add screenshots or or video of your project in action. Imagine yourself sitting down to present your project to a reviewer. Where would you start? What information would you want to highlight right away? Think of your README as the opportunity to share this information with whoever is reviewing the project. Use the README to to guide the efforts of the reviewer. Call out interesting functionality. Call out tools and libraries that were used. Use it to tell your story, whatever that may be. And lastly, to help with this initial experience with the project, Help guide reviewers with clear project organization. In most cases, I suggest you organize your project by feature or by layer. You want your project to be easily navigatable by the reviewer. You also want to demonstrate that your organization would scale to real-world production projects. So putting all of your files in a single directory might work for the small take-home, but might not be the best choice for organizing your project because it's not going to scale in a real-world application. Not sure if your project is easy to navigate? Try navigating the project without your IDE. You might explore the project in GitHub or from your file browser. If it's easy to find files, figure out how things are organized without your IDE's search and class lookup functions, then you should be good to go. Now, once your reviewer has moved beyond sort of the, the first initial experience, I want to think about the first-time user experience of actually experiencing your project, of, of running your project, or deploying your code. You know, at some point in the review, a reviewer is going to run your code. You know, that's usually a big part of the, the review consideration. Now, what will their experience be when they do? A focus on two main things can really have a large impact on how a reviewer feels once they've run your code. So the first is that you want to ensure a functional experience. Make sure your app doesn't crash when a reviewer installs it. And I'm just going to say that again. Make sure your app doesn't crash right when a reviewer installs it and tries to run it for the first time. You know, ideally, you don't want your app to crash at all. But it's especially important that it doesn't crash on startup. 
Accretion startup means a reviewer may not be able to evaluate the functionality at all. And this does not usually lead to a great assessment of the project. If you have the time, test your app startup across a few different device configurations, maybe two or three different OS versions, maybe a couple different screen sizes. If your app starts up and is functional across these configurations, there's a good chance your assignment will be functional by reviewers when they try to start it up. And the, the second item here towards a, an impressive first-time user experience is to impress with UI polish. Now, this is obviously more focused on any type of UI-based application. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably in the mobile space, so it's probably perfectly applicable here. Um, but any type of you know UI-based application here, this is going to work for. So once your app is started, you know what is the first thing that a reviewer is going to see? If your main screen leaves a positive first impression, it can go a long ways towards creating a positive feeling towards the project as a whole. How can you leave a, f- a good first impression then? Well, a little bit of design polish usually goes a long way. If you design items that are not time consuming, but really can help the look and feel of your app include a unique, visually appealing color palette. Uh, The Material Design Color Tool is a great resource for building a nice palette, and I'll include a link to that in the show notes uh, below. Uh, Using consistent spacing throughout your UI is another really big one. This can go a long ways towards making your application feel more professional. I recommend sticking with a consistent grid like the Material Design 8DP grid and to, to implement this in your small project, usually it only requires adding a couple of dimension resources and then using those throughout the project. Anytime you need a spacing, use the same couple of values. It usually makes the UI look a lot nicer. Small details like uh, touch feedback when interacting with a button or selecting a list item can be a great way to go. And again, I'll include a link to how you can accomplish that in an Android app in the show notes. If you are lacking inspiration or you're not sure how to structure the navigation in your project, I would suggest that you don't try to reinvent the wheel. You know, look to existing apps for inspiration. If your weather app assignment, for example, uh, behaves like an existing weather app, it'll likely make it easier for a reviewer to understand how to navigate it. And that's going to lead to probably a nice first time uh, impression for them. So again, unless you have a really good, solid idea for some custom navigation, uh, don't try and get too fancy here. Using existing patterns for navigation and user flow um, can be a really effective way to help the experience. And then lastly, uh, a small touch of adaptive design, I think, can be really nice. You know, ideally, your app's UI would adapt to different screen sizes and configurations. If your app doesn't work well on, let's say, small screens, or maybe it doesn't work well in horizontal layouts, you might actually call that out in your README just to highlight the fact that, yes, you know, I designed this for a specific screen size and configuration right now because of time constraints, let's say. Um, And then it might actually be an opportunity to highlight uh, a few notes about how you would make it work for these different screen sizes. And this can be just another way to show that you have experience and you do know how to accomplish these things and you just made trade-offs regarding the time. So again, 
when we think of this uh, positive first-time user experience, make sure that your app doesn't crash, make sure it's functional, and then try and add a little nice design polish. Make it look polished, unique, add some colors, some consistent styling, things like that are really helpful. So now at some point, the reviewer is going to actually look at your code. And the way in which you write your code, whether it's functional or not, can say a lot about how you operate as an engineer. So a couple of tips here just to help make your code easier to review and hopefully help your code be an asset in your review rather than something that uh, leaves them scratching your head. So you want to use, uh, you want to leverage consistency in your code. Now, a big part of being a professional software developer is reviewing code. You know, code is easier to read and review if it uses consistent styling and conventions. This is true whether in a production code base or a take-home assignment. Before you submit your project, run a code formatter on the code to ensure you're using a consistent style. For me personally, I don't really care what that style is when I'm reviewing an assignment. I just like it to be consistent throughout the files. If I see a project that looks like there are half a dozen different styles, it's going to make me maybe think that this code was copy and pasted from a bunch of different Stack Overflow posts, or it's going to make me think that there might be some subtle bugs in here, or that uh, this person hasn't worked maybe in a large team before and is mostly working uh, alone where styling maybe doesn't matter as much. So doing that one-time thing of running a formatter can just help give your code a nicer a polish to it, make it easier for reviewers to read and understand. The second item here is I really recommend building on a solid foundation when you're writing your code. You know, it's great to highlight fancy libraries or to build flashy features into your project. However, if they come at the expense of the fundamentals, they might actually hurt you more than they help you. For example, if building an Android app, it's considered best practice to define user-facing strings as string resources in a strings.xml file. Hard coding all of your strings might be a red flag to reviewers because it's not a scalable approach for proper localization of a production-ready Android application. Another example, if your project requires special app permissions, and you don't build a permissions workflow into the app, it could reflect poorly on your submission. Or if you place all of your code into a single large class, it might reflect poorly on your submission. The moral here is that well-organized, well-structured code that doesn't miss out on the basics is likely going to be a better uh, example of what you can do than a project that uses all of the new shiny things but doesn't have a solid foundation. Now, one last big category here that I want to focus on is that of documentation. I really think that documentation is important in take-home assignments. Software developers often joke about lack of documentation or argue about whether good code even needs documentation. However, in an interview situation, it's my personal strong opinion that good documentation is without a doubt a very helpful tool. Take-home assignments are often about trade-offs. Usually have a set of tasks to complete with a limited amount of time in which to carry out the assignment. Trade-offs must be made to balance completing the assignment 
with writing our ideal solutions. Using documentation to detail those trade-offs and to simulate the discussion that would come up during a typical work situation is a great way to give context into your thinking and show how you work. What assumptions did you make about the specified requirements? What questions did you have and how did you answer them? Why did you choose library X over library Y? Why did you choose architecture A rather than architecture B? All of these types of decisions are opportunities to document and share your thinking. You can go further than that as well. You could include more narrative documentation about areas you chose to focus on and why. You know, why did you add unit tests? Why did you add a CI workflow to your project? How did you come up with your custom color palette? These are all interesting notes that you can document and share with the reviewer to give a sense of how you work. And lastly, be sure to document anything that isn't working or isn't working as specified. Was your weather app project supposed to show precipitation, but the API you chose only offers that data if you pay for it? Document that limitation so its absence doesn't seem like an oversight. Does your app crash when rotated? Call that out in the notes so it's clear that you found and understand the issue. You might even get bonus points for including a suggested fix. With most reviewers, you're not going to lose points for transparency. Being upfront about what is and isn't working builds trust, and trust is a very important part of choosing to work with someone. And now the last item on this topic of documentation. Documentation can come in a variety of forms. You might find that a mix of documentation formats is ideal for you, or you might focus on one form of documentation above the rest. While I do highly suggest having a readme for your take-home project, Choose the documentation options that work best for you. A few examples of different documentation styles that you can include in your take-home assignment are a readme in your project's root directory, code comments in the, in the code, you know, document your, your functions, your methods, your classes, etc. You can include documentation in the form of GitHub issues or pull requests or milestones. You might include a wiki in your repository where you talk about uh, functionality, uh, decisions you made, etc. Architectural decision records are, are a really nice way to go about documenting why you chose library A over library B or why you chose a particular architecture. And these can live in your project's uh, sort of source code or within the, within the project itself. Uh, I'll include links to um, some documentation on architectural decision records if you're not familiar with that concept. And, and lastly, another option that I've seen work quite well before is to include a recorded video of you walking through the project. You could embed that in your readme that could just be included in a zip file of the submission, but that's another opportunity for you to sort of present your work or to share your thinking around it. And I think that can be um, a, a nice touch to add to the project if you have time. Now the last main section here, Take-home assignments typically have a concrete set of requirements, usually a set of tasks to complete and specific functionality that must be present. That doesn't mean that those tasks are the only things that we can work on, though. As mentioned earlier, think about the story you want to tell a reviewer. What do you enjoy working on? 
what is your genius zone? You know, genius zone is sort of the area where you feel most alive, where you feel like your skill set are put to best use. And, and how can you highlight those things in your take-home project submission? Do you enjoy working with CI infrastructure? You could set up a simple CI workflow for your project and maybe include a small write-up on your preferred CI architecture. Maybe you really enjoy bringing to life beautiful designs. You could add a unique animation or user interaction, a custom loading indicator or a custom empty state screen are great opportunities for this. Do you really believe in test-driven development? Write some tests for the project and include a summary of your testing philosophy. These additions don't have to be a massive time investment. And honestly, they probably shouldn't be because we need to make sure the core functionality is there above all else. But an additional feature, test, or other custom element can be a really valuable way to highlight how you would be a uniquely valuable asset to any team. So to wrap up here, next time you have a coding interview assignment, don't forget about the non-coding side of it. And remember to put your best foot forward by making a positive first impression with your submission, ensuring a stable and pleasing first-time user experience, writing consistent, readable code, documenting your code and your decision-making process, and lastly, by making the project your own. If you can do these things and complete the required assignment tasks, you'll have gone a long ways towards helping yourself get that next job. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe for future chats about software development and career. And remember, if you have a question or topic idea, I'd love to hear from you. And you can send those into podcast at goobar.io for your question or idea to possibly be featured in a future episode. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to dream, learn, and create, and I'll catch you all in the next episode. Until next time, devs.